Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hey there and welcome to Metal Wraps number 30. I am Mitch Joel and as always, I am joined by Talking Metal's Mark Striegel. Hey guys, how are you? Good. How are you? And of course, we are with one on one with Mitch Lafon's Mitch Lafon. Mitch, the one and only. Yes. Good day. Welcome back. It's been a while. It's been too long, but we are here because there are lots of things happening in the metal world. Um, let's start it off with Axel DC, Axel Rose and ACDC. So the band has been on the road. They've done multiple shows. There's countless stuff happening on YouTube that people can see and check out. There is uh, myself uh, readily admitting that I'm surprised at how good Axel sounds, uh, even when he was sitting down, but now he seems to be uh, hobbling around, so he's up and about. Uh, band sounds good. I think there are moments where they sound a little less than good. I still can't reconcile if I like this or I don't like this. I'm sort of in a space where, um, you know, if it's not Brian at this point at their age, at their legacy, and they just have another singer and I just, I don't know. But on the other hand, uh, Axel sounds really good singing those songs, Mitch. Yeah. And of course, Axel is not just another singer. Had they gone to, you know, some kind of tribute band guy or something, then okay, you'd have a point. But it's Axel Rose. And he sounds great. They need, absolutely need, at least for me, to put out a live CD or a live DVD of this and capture the moment forever because most of the world is not going to get to actually see a show. So we need a memento. And uh, he's been sounding great. In fact, I hope he stays forever with them. And of course, does the GNR. Mark, what do you think of this? Yeah, I think no doubt the clips I've seen. Axel sounds great. I, I think Mitch, uh, Joel, you and I were even, or maybe it was Mitchell. One of you guys, we were talking off, uh, you know, online about um, some. Sometimes Angus's guitar parts are a little choppy. I've noticed, especially yeah. on the beginning of. Uh, uh, Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. Yeah, yeah he cannot. I were going at it. <laughs> yeah, he cannot handle that that riff anymore. He has some some real problems with that. Um, the but you know, and also I've noticed the solo of Dirty Deeds. He he has when he they do that hammer on pull off thing at the end of the Dirty Deeds solo. The signature uh, kind of chromatic climb up the up the fretboard. There he has uh, issues with that too. 
having said that all, all in all, I think, I think they sound great. And, and, um, Axel is is a great and special as 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 you mentioned, Michelle Fon addition. You know, this is just isn't anybody. Obviously, it's Axel Rose. I, I think even beyond the 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 music, it's interesting to for him to not be the 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 alpha male of of a band. You know, and and he from what I can tell is is showing up to, to the shows on time they're not going on at, at midnight every night and and it's it's uh he he's he's kind of just like the fill-in guy in acdc and he's taking it real seriously and uh showing respect to angus and the acdc legacy so i, I think that's kind of cool and the other little cool thing is you know here's a guy he's given like three interviews in, in, in 20 years, we're, we're getting an Axel interview every couple of weeks now, it seems like, you know, and, and I think that's, that's fun to hear Axel talk uh, because when he does get in front of the mic or in front of, uh, with a reporter or with a group, he, he is a real animated and uh, interesting guy to, uh, to listen to. Okay. But let's uh, unpack two components of this. Is it reasonable, regardless of who the singer is, for ACDC to go out as ACDC without Brian at this phase in the career? I mean, let's, let's ask. I'm curious because yes. that's the one with me where I'm like, mm, I, I don't know at this point. I don't know. Yeah, yes, yes, and yes. I mean, I've always said it. Bands are brands, and you know it's like baseball. It just because Babe Ruth isn't a Yankee anymore doesn't mean the Yankees aren't the Yankees. It's fine. It's always better to have the original members, the people that made the magic. But you know, you go see a Foreigner show, you go see a Kiss show, you go see whoever. They've got new guys, and so what? The music lives on. I, I, I'm not going to quibble about Brian or this guy or that guy. It's the songs. It's the songs we like. They're being played well. There you go. It's a brand. I'm happy. Thank you, yeah. Mark. You good with it? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. And and I like the ridiculousness of it. Um, you know that they're <laughs> out there doing it, and it, it really, you know, it's it's you know, Angus is there, Cliff is there, who is you know, maybe not an original original member, but he was he's been a part of the band since Power Age or even before. I can't remember, but. Um, you know, it, it, it works for me, and I, I think uh, ACDC is is going to be one of those bands as long as you have the the guy with the schoolboy outfit there up there, the iconic figure of the band. It's gonna it's gonna work, and people are going to show up. And in my opinion, they're still going to fill you know arenas and probably even stadiums. I mean, I saw them at Giant Stadium, and, right. and uh, I. I, I, I the thing that people forget, and I, I've had this happen at a Kiss show uh, in the last two years. I had this happen at the opening night of, of Guns N' Roses in Las Vegas. You know, somebody at a Kiss show pointed to Tommy Thayer and tapped me on the shoulder. This is a guy in the fourth row. He obviously either knew somebody or had a lot of money for his ticket. And he said, do you know that guy I just found out that's not even Ace, he said to me. You know, so this is people don't they aren't all these crazy maniacs like us who are, gosh, yeah. yeah, right. They don't care. And, and you know, the, 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 the soccer moms, the college student, you know, casual, well, just fan. the average fan, they the see the name on the marquee fan. and yeah. that's what they go for. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Okay. They go so, for yeah. and if so Yannick my- Gertz can be an Iron Maiden, Axel can be an ACDC. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's my second question <laughs> is, do you feel at all like 
it, it isn't necessarily ACDC or the sound of ACDC, but more like a tribute to or ACDC with a guest lead singer versus it being ACDC. Because that is a lot of the sentiment you get online, which is Axel's doing great, yes, but it still feels like a tribute slash cover band versus ACDC. Is that because it's just new because it's Axel? Is it just because it's Axel such a big celebrity on his own that there? And look, let's face it also, it's not like Axel has joined ACDC. Right. He's just doing some gigs with them. So that's the other part of it too, where I don't disagree with what you're saying. People come, people go. But this isn't like Axel joined ACDC as the new singer. It's just a guy there for now. Right, but they've been saying the exact same thing since Bon Scott died. As soon as he died, they went, oh, it's an ACDC tribute. We've heard that for 40 years. So, you know. So what? Yeah, I'm not sure if I prescribe to that sentence. Yeah, I, I but I, I I've heard it. People have either, said but, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you I go think on people Bond. love. I think people have a sort of Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, the same way they have the whole Sammy Hagar, David Lee Roth thing. Sure. But I don't think it's uh, that, yeah. that I mean, Brian was a guest. <laughs> I mean, but, but, Brian, Back in Black is not only the best-selling ACDC record. It's one of the best-selling records ever. It's up there with Thriller, and it sold more than Hotel California. I think it sold more than Fleet would Mac rumors at this point it's one of the best-selling records ever so so i think he had you know cemented his his place in 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 acdc history with that no no i mean don't get me wrong i i love brian i love the albums he's made with the band but there are those sort of purists that right. say well since it wasn't bond scott it's been oh, nothing right. you know i don't feel that way in fact um i only started liking them when brian came in the band if but, you know, of course, listen, I was 11 years old in 1980, so <laughs> there's a reason why I only started liking them with him in the band. Anyway. So with that, um, other recent news that, that really was a huge gut punch to many, me for sure, because of my, my love for Megadeth's Rust in Peace, was the very sudden, scary passing of drummer Nick Menza. Uh, just I mean, a beast on the drums. I feel like that lineup of Megadeth for the Rust in Peace, which was Junior Dave Ellison, Dave Mustaine, Nick Menza, and of course, Marty Friedman, to me was like, there might be something here that might actually help Mustaine achieve the the macro goal, which I think for him was to always be on par or greater than Metallica. Still to this day, I think one of my top 10 Desert Island metal albums, Rust in Peace, um, Really scary. In fact, I, I think I found out about it on your feed, Mitch Lafon. I texted you like, "What? What's going on here?" Yeah, I, I, I knew somebody that was actually at the show, and they 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 sent me a message and said, "You won't believe this." And I was like, "Oh." And uh, I thought it was sort of a hoax and whatever. And then the report started trickling in slowly but surely, and you know, just incredibly sad. You know, I interviewed Nick. Uh, earlier in the year and he was sounding great and he was sounding positive and he had plans to do this band and that band and wow you know it it just hits you and it's so preventable what he had what just, what what did he have Mitch well eventually they said it was a massive coronary so a, a massive heart attack and it was just because he hadn't been taking care of himself and you know some clean living some exercise and stuff he could have you know getting to the doctor more regularly could have added another 15 20 years to his life and uh there you go. It's gone. And I know, Mark, you, you, similar to, to me, you, have a, you had a deep love for that lineup of Megadeth as well, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's just a major loss. And, uh, 
Yeah, you know, my wife is really, you know, I, I, I don't know. Actually, my, my, I really like the first three Megadeth albums are my favorite. So my wife is really into uh, the era that included Nick, probably more so than I am. But um, yeah, I, I, regardless, you can't deny what what he was a part of and and how great it was and and what a major loss it is to the uh, the metal community and and uh, you know he was just a part of the legacy. And you know it's scary because we're losing all these people you know just over and over and this is you know nick wasn't a young guy but he wasn't he wasn't really a, a no that's guy. not old 50 he's just 51 yeah I, mean, yeah I mean he's he was you know five six years older than me and that that's i don't know <laughs> this freaks me out you know it's uh yeah it's it's far too young to go and um you know i can't imagine myself checking out in five years you know it's just a uh, crazy so yeah it, it hits home definitely on on numerous levels you also see the tears of media in this, and that was it's one of the things that sort of always strikes me. There are certain musicians that had such a huge influence on me when I was younger and the music they created. Jimmy Bain, you know, bass player for for Dio who passed away as well this year is another one of them. We talked about Jimmy before. And it just like these I don't want I don't want to downplay their legacies as these sort of second, third, fourth tier celebrities, but it is what they are. It's something that these people aren't household names. They're people who have somewhat fallen through the cracks, even of the own their own genre. That they had done so well, and and it's also very um, it's very humanizing to me when it happens because it's one thing when it's a Prince or a David Bowie or a huge name. Um, again, the, the sort of first tier celebrities that get a lot of media, and you see this comes and goes, and it's almost like this weird blip where it's just like a couple of posts on Facebook, and then it's off into anonymity. And it's I don't know, it's always very uh, awakening for me of how how like you know if you're not a massive celebrity, also it's 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 a rough gig out there. Probably a little bit like when Eric Carr passed away, you know. Same, yeah. It was I a little was just blip. watching his biography last night, yeah. Yeah, and if I can throw out one thing to you, Mitch Joel, is Gordon Downey, Downey from Tragically Hip, who just Gordon, announced that he, yeah. Yeah, that he had brain cancer and all, and you know, they're doing this. You have a personal connection with that story. Mark, do you know the Tragically Hip at all down in the States? I know the name. I don't know. I yeah, I think they only trickled into Buffalo versus the sort of New York, New Jersey. But, I mean, a huge arena rock band up here in, in Canada, one of those sort of seminal rock bands. And now he's got terminal brain cancer, and they're still going to do a final tour this summer. And it's like, you know, four nights at the massive hockey arenas up here, like the big arenas totally selling out. Uh, crazy story. My story is just that in early days of interviews, we're talking late 80s, my my second or third interview just walked into a, a club told about this band that tragically hip you know they were new i was i was newish and uh yeah it's, it was an interesting story it, to the point where the manager who i'm still friends with their ex-manager now he actually remembers meeting me back then. This wow. is a straight, we sort of had coffee the other week he's like i remember you walking in i remember you were on this crazy story but uh there's a lot like you said there's a lot of this happening when we get older as we get older and to me it's, it was again that sort of blip of of how fast jimmy bain just came and went in the media and how fast Nick Menza came and went in the media. That it, it's, it's disappointing to me because I, I recognize their musical contributions, uh, obviously more than you know the the, the mass media will. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and the dichotomy with the tragically hip that I noticed real, you know, concretely was a couple of years ago they were playing at the Bell Center in Montreal, and the next night their gig was at the Northern Lights in Clifton Park, New York, which is a club of about 300 people. So they went from 18,000 to 300 in a 24-hour period on a tour. And I was just like, wow, 
okay. I guess nobody knows them here. So. That's how it rolls, yeah. yeah. Last thing I want to talk about before we get to our picks is um, Dawkin. So I'm going to throw this to Mitch LaFont huh. to tell the story because I, this somehow – how did this become your scoop? <laughs> well, you know, I've been uh, – I speak to three of the members very regularly. And uh, the, the news of them going to Japan later in the fall has been floating around and – and I got this interview with Mick Brown, and at the beginning of the interview, uh, before the interview starts, I should, I should say, I get him on the phone and I say, listen, uh, I'm going to ask you questions that are going to sort of, you know, are you going to do a reunion? Because we know you are, but if I don't ask the question, people are going to say, like, why didn't you ask him that question? But, you know, be careful how you answer it because management in this <laughs> wants you to not say anything. And we get to that part of the interview and say, I said, hey, any chance of you ever reuniting? And he goes, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's <just> like, ah. <laughs> so, you know, I phoned management. I phoned the other guys. And I said, uh, listen, uh, he went with this. And <laughs> I, I, I want to put this interview out because, you know, I, I, need a, I have content to provide. You know, I have a show. And they said, okay, can you hold on to it? Can you hold on to it? Can you hold it? So I, I held on to it for probably about three weeks, and I finally got the word. Everybody has signed the contracts. The ink is dry. It's going to happen. Go ahead. And I put it out there, and, of course, next thing you know, every site has picked it up. And a lot of the sites went with Dawkins reuniting, and some of them went with some of the other stuff that Mick said. Well, like, oh, yeah, I don't think we really need those guys, but, hey, the money's too good so we're gonna do it anyway and it was like oh well okay yeah but that, i just I mean, saw doc and the the day before there the day of as that was breaking i was watching doc and play actually because i was remember looking down at my phone and they were up on stage and seeing mitch's <laughs> story start to just spread like wildfire and um if, if i could just throw in my own opinion I, I i would love to see jeff george don and mick on stage again in the states uh and and no no big disrespect towards towards john and uh whoever the bass player is i can't remember no i mean they're they're they're, they're the, the, a great john, band right yeah, now john's a great player but in, in he in some ways he he he, he he just nails the George Lynch solos. I mean, they're so spot on how, when, when they do the older doc and stuff. However, and it was a good show, and I enjoyed it, and, and John's a great guitar player. But I'd love to see the real thing. I mean, you know, it's just nothing like the sound of, of, of Lynch's guitar up there on stage and, and just the emotional connection of seeing all those, uh, you know, to my Skies. past and uh, of, of what a fan I was as a, as a kid, uh, is, is, is always major too. So I, I really would love to see this in the States and hope that it happens. I say I'll bring back Red Beach. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I, I'm I'm with you, Mark. A little bit with Mitch too, because I like Red. I think Red's great. No, awesome. uh, Red's great and White Snake Winger. You can't get him wrong. But I'm with you because I think there's a couple things that that have always been a part of Dawkins, as far as I remember them. One is I think you are bang on with just the sound and timber of George Lynch. We can put a million metal guitarists out out there, and someone could you know, put on George Lynch and you'd be like, boom, I know exactly who that player is. And it's very rare in a genre where you have people who've got that distinctive of, of a sound. So there's one 
thing where lots of guitarists have tried to even replicate what this guy can do with the fretboard, and he's a master, and I completely agree with you. The second part that I, I think goes unnoticed is this is a band that always had tension. There was always this weird someone's fighting with somebody, someone's mad at someone, a beer bottle could get thrown at any minute. It wasn't that sort of la-di-da, glammy type of band ever. I mean, it really wasn't. Out of the gates, there was always that. And I don't know, for me over the years, there was always something with it. Like, it was a half joke. Someone left. Someone's been replaced. Oh, they're in docking. They're not in docking. And then there was the reunions where it's like, oh, it's not as good as under lock and key or whatever it might be. But to me, those two components are actually components of what makes the band interesting to me. Right. It's both that sound of the guitar and, and, and the tension. And I'm not diminishing Don's vocals. I think he's also got one of the most unique voices in the genre. And he managed, All he managed those to guys, even Mick Brown. You yeah, know, Jeff Wilson's amazing and foreigner. He's an amazing musician. Mick Brown's drumming style is so distinctive yeah, right. and unique. And when I was watching them play live, whatever it was, two, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess, I was just like, yeah, you know, his, his he, no one plays drums like that. Is he, he's not Mike Portnoy, he's not Neil Peart, but he's got a, a style that most people don't have. So... Yeah, it's yeah. never been about being technically proficient, by the way. You know, you take Neil Peart and throw him in Kiss, and it's not—it's just not going to work. Uh, For many reasons. Yeah, people, <laughs> you know, people have their, their places in their bands, but uh, the, the one story from the doc and one that I'll, that I'll say before we, we get off of this is um, one time backstage, one of the guys said to me, uh, you know, when uh, George left and Reb came in, uh, Don went over to him and said, you know, you'll never be George, but... And then when Reb left and John Norm came in, he went over to John Norm and said, you'll never be Reb Beach, but... And so I've always thought that was a, a funny story of how uh, Don greets the guitarists as they come in by saying, you'll not be the guy that was here before you, but all right, we'll, we'll work with you. Hence anyway. the tension. Right. And, and you know what? Listen, that could be an entirely made up wives tale, but it was told to me and I've always thought it was a cute story. So I, so I keep it and I, and I use it when it's necessary. So there you go. That's awesome. So before we bail on the show, let me hear what you guys have been listening to. I'll start with you, Mitch LaFon. Oh, you are going to be very surprised by this. First of all, I have been listening to an abundance of Thunder, the band Thunder. But Love Thunder. Love Thunder. You know, they're, they're great. They do, they do metal to country to, to – anyway. But there's another band that is uh, has an album coming out July 8th called New World Order, and I got an advanced copy. The band is Q5. And back in the 80s, they had two albums, and uh, even Great White covered one of their songs, Ain't No Way to Treat a Lady. And here they are 30-some years later, 31 years later, with this new album on Frontiers, and it is, and, and excuse the language, it's slamming. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. What kind of language is that? <laughs> it's street cred language. No, it's, 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 it's an incredibly great album and uh, you know the band used to have Floyd Rose in it the guy who invented the tremolo and all that stuff and you know Steal the Light was the classic classic album from 1984 and out of the blue 31 years later here is New World Order and you're gonna have to get it it is just great it's it's, it's just great it's just great 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 hard rock and is there a new thunder that you're talking about? Are we talking like you've gone back to Backstreet Symphony days? What's going on? Uh, I have gone back <laughs> to absolutely 
everything in their catalog. I've been listening to a different album every day from The Magnificent Seven to uh, uh, Wonder Days to Backstreet Symphony to uh, Laughing on Judgment Day to Great album. just absolutely everything. I, in fact, I, I'm, I'm going to admit this, but I've made 14 separate Thunder playlists. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So shh, down the rabbit hole, the whole the kit and caboodle. But uh, between Thunder and Q5, it's just been a great, great month of June so far. If you've got that amount of time, Mitch, I need you to come over here and alphabetize my CD collections. <laughs> I got way too much. <laughs> no, listen, what happens a lot of the times with these playlists is I'll sit in front of the computer waiting to do an interview, and I usually come on you know, 15, 20 minutes early in case a publicist wants to call. And, and so as I sit here, I'll just go, oh, all right, let me just put this song in this playlist and that song after this song. And next thing you know, I've got 14 playlists made. But uh, yeah, there you go. And uh, Nice. Mark. What do you listen to? Mark is listening to The Sound of Silence. It's a great, great album. <laughs> Sorry, had the mute key on there. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I am listening to a record. I'll just throw this out there quickly. It's called The Band is the Coral. The album is Distance in Between. It's not metal. It's not even hard rock. It's definitely solid great great rock and roll if you're somebody just loves the sound of of you know true rock music this it's it's what rock and roll should sound like in my opinion again the choral distance in between all right my list uh i love the new volbeat album seal the deal and let's boogie um i'd never really known the band was on apple music and you know it so popped up in the what's new and i added it along with a whole bunch of other stuff and i don't know what made me hit it but i hit play on it because i save a lot of stuff that i never hit play on and it's just been on continuous spin here i really love it volbeat seal the deal and let's boogie and by the way great album title name as well so there you have it cool. um well, well this has been episode number 30 of metal raps please join us again super soon for episode number 31 my name is mitch joel you can always find me at, at mitch joel on twitter if you're still on twitter if anybody's still on twitter uh and you can also check out my bass podcast which is for bass players but you don't have to be a bass player to love it which is at notrebel.com forward slash podcast it's called groove uh mitch where can we find you well on twitter yeah, Where any, are people not on Twitter anymore? <laughs> Where else? It's, it's just not, not the cool thing. Right oh, yeah, really? Just, okay. We're all well, going to on Snapchat soon. As well. yes, uh, Snapchat and Instagram, I think, is the way to go. But no, at Mitch Lafon, M I T C H L A F O N, on Twitter and one on one at Mitch Lafon on Facebook. And uh, tons of great interviews coming up. So keep listening. Cool. Yeah, Marks. I'm, I'm uh, at talkingmetal.com. That's the best place. That's where the show is hosted. And, and I always suggest people go to uh, listen to Talking Metal and Mitch's one-on-one with Mitch Lafon on the Talking Metal site because you get yes. extra bonus stuff like uh, the show notes, pictures, links that you can support the show. Uh, you know, by using the links. So go check out talkingmetal.com. And that's a wrap for Metal Raps number thirty. Excellent.